This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. Welcome back to Transparency. We're joined today by Shapeshifter. Uh, Shapeshifter is a, a detransitioner we know from uh, from uh, Twitter. Maybe detransitioner isn't exactly the quite work correct word for you. You kind of defy kind of all the uh, all, all the kind of uh, concepts that we, we use to talk about this. But um, but yeah, if you'd just like to uh, introduce yourself, we're really glad that you're here. Right. Uh, hi, guys. So I guess I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the work you've done because you guys inspired me <laughs> to come out with my story and be more open and try to raise more awareness, you know, um, because as I mentioned before we started recording, I was watching one of your videos where it was uh, you guys, Kenneth and Scott Nugent, and you were having this like two hour long conversation that was like insanely good. And I was like, how this doesn't have more views? Like, this is such an important conversation. <laughs> and I remember I think it was either Scott or somebody was like, where's all the trans women? Why nobody's speaking out? Like literally nobody is. And like, and I was like, it's time to speak out. And you kind of inspired me, you know, to speak out. Um, and I do appreciate everything you're doing, you know, on YouTube and uh, trying to gather as much information as possible because it's kind of left up to us, you know, <laughs> yeah. to gather all the right information because it seems like we were really like, at least I was definitely let down by uh, medical professionals and other people that I know um, in the trans community. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost like people don't want to do the research. They don't want to put uh, like right information out there or at least better information or more information is <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything is just so hidden nobody talks about anything I feel like forever all this was in the shadows people were like secretly transitioning and going stealth and that's what I try to do as well you know <laughs> and that's why I think a lot of like data is missing kind of and like that's where we're at right now <laughs> I think a lot of people are being hurt and they have already been hurt <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know when this like train wreck gonna stop um I in terms of like yeah the whole detransition thing I thought a lot about it like honestly I don't really clear cut fit into detransition category by all definition you know obviously like I was just listening to an interview with Walt Hare and he was like he's more old school obviously as a traditional detransitioners you know they find Jesus they go like all the way back to the other binary from one gender box to another blah 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 so it's like cute but it, one of the realizations I had actually like during my trip to Europe, I realized by transitioning, I put myself in another gender box. So I feel like if some people feel comfortable to keep on switching between gender boxes, like very strict definitions of gender, you know, it's up to them. But I feel like to me, I realized that like none of the hair or makeup, at no point was I really a woman. <laughs> so like, honestly, I don't need to undo any of this to be a man. <laughs> and that would like, defeats the whole purpose I just feel like I want to move forward trying to expand definition of a man as much as I can (laughs) as scary as it is but like that's what I would like to do (laughs) um 
And I feel like I'm more like ex-trans. I guess that's the word I recently came up oh, with. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not really. I guess technically I went to Europe and I didn't take my testosterone with me because I was like, oh, I don't need my sex drive like in the middle of like camping. Like everybody's gross and sweaty, like whatever. I, I didn't want to like lug a big um, like giant bottle of testosterone, <laughs> you know? And then like towards the end of two weeks, like I tried to have sex with Catman and like... I couldn't orgasm and I was like so pissed. It was like so frustrating. But then I'm thinking, did I like retransition <laughs> in two weeks? Like what happened? So I just got back on testosterone again as I got back, you know, to Massachusetts. <laughs> so it's like, did I just go through a little retransition? I guess I need to talk to Mark and Maritza coming, see what they have to say about this. But yeah, I honestly feel like the whole transition, detransition, just like it doesn't make sense. Like at this point, it was like once I picked, I realized like all of this was just bullshit that got sold to me. You know, it's like it was just body modification, some kind of like plastic surgery. I guess I'm technically a drag queen, I guess, but that's kind of sucks news right now too. <laughs> the whole grooming allegations, you know. I guess I'm doing drag full time or something. I don't fucking get. I I don't know at this point. None of this should make sense. Like. <laughs> and yeah I don't even know where I fit in I realized like so I got in trouble because I tried to fit in you know and I feel like that's where I went wrong if I just like did me um I would have not like fall into this full transition trap you know because even when I transitioned I tried to be a woman and I thought I was a woman I was still trapped you know I felt like I wanted to do crazier makeup I wanted to do more makeup I wanted to but people I was there is like oh don't do too much makeup you look like a tranny like <laughs> it's almost like I got so obsessed with passing you know that like I was stifled like I couldn't even be over the top because I was like <laughs> I have to be more like real woman you know it's mm -hmm. like that was so toxic you know and it's just like now I can finally I feel finally free in a way because I don't feel I need to pass <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. last night I went to a concert in Massachusetts I know I just came back from a European festival and I went to a concert in Boston it was just like so different but I got a chance to like dress up like full-on you know I guess makeup and hair and I just didn't care you know it's like but if it was me from a year ago I would have like not dared to do that because I would feel like everybody will know right away that like I'm a man you know or I was right. born a man and it would make me like give me more social dysphoria but now I just like I feel so free you know so I don't know where I fit in I guess I will always catch flack every day I get messages like oh when are you gonna remove your movies and it's like well, man can't have boobs. Like, all the guys are, I'm a chub chaser. All the guys I dated, they have <laughs> bigger than mine. You know what I mean? So, and I feel like maybe if we normalize men having movies, you know, maybe some F2Ms wouldn't feel this, like, desire to remove their breasts. You know, maybe some of them would just keep them. And one thing, actually, I want to talk about, because I went to this festival in Europe where, in Hungary, and it kind of, like, you know, people, and it kind of felt, like, very, like, the word I want to use is primal. Like I saw those people wearing different clothes and like, and there were AGPs running around, you know, there were like literally men in dresses. <laughs> and I was telling Catman, oh, look, AGPs. <laughs> and I saw some feminine men. It was just like a bunch of hippies wearing whatever, you know, they were technically all 
And nobody is ever like, which woman with titties out, with small titties out, with shaved heads, you know? And like, I could tell like, who would have been transitioned had they lived in like across the pond, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like who would have been amazing? <laughs> it's interesting because Hungary, like, Hungary is actually one of our, um, in terms of like our listeners, Hungary is one of our biggest listeners. Uh, yeah, because I've heard they're like transphobic and whatnot and like homophobic because of their new president. And when I went there, people were like tweeting at me, like, be careful, like, it's homophobic, transphobic. But I saw gay couples holding hands and lesbian couples holding hands. And I, I saw AGPs, like, or what, <laughs> what we would consider pre-HRT AGPs, you know. But they were just wearing clothes and nobody was paying anybody attention, you know. There were kids running around, like, here people would have, would have lost their shit. They would have been like, groomers, get the kids out of here, you know. <laughs> but the kids were just dancing. It's like... I didn't think they were being groomed or like they were in any kind of danger, you know? It, it, it just felt like art was everywhere and it wasn't like in any kind of perverted way, you know? Like it's when people take their kids to drag show, you know, <laughs> at a nightclub, it was just like in an open field, you know, with like flowers and everything. You know, it was just a completely different vibe and I felt like everybody was so free to express and wear whatever they want without trying to transition, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, I, I was like, wow, these people would have definitely been like most likely transitioned <laughs> if they've been across the pond. And I just felt like it, it's kind of very much like USA, Canada, and UK saying in a way, like Northern Europe. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's basically specific, it's specific to what the whole trans phenomenon does seem to be very specific to Western Europe and North America. Mm-hmm. So in like Eastern Europe, they're not affected as you're just describing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I mean, I've been joking about it on Twitter and like, no shade, but I feel like a lot of it started in Canada. It's like literally Canada because you guys started all this like liberal policies and then it's like sips over to Massachusetts and then it's like a model state (laughs) for other liberal states, you know, and I feel like maybe it's gone a little too far, you know, and I feel like people should not be, I understand that when they made it legal to like miss gender someone like with pronouns saying I know intentions were good because maybe initially it was to bully someone but it came to a point where there's a lot of people it just doesn't feel natural to call them the pronouns that they want to be called and I feel it's unfair if somebody loses their jobs and go to jail like literally by effing up like not even on purpose you know it's like <laughs> I remember when I met first non-binary person in college like I was struggled so hard like to call them they and like <laughs> I felt bad because that person ended up transitioning you know and it's like I don't know how far they took their transition but like at the time I was like also confused and like it was very difficult I guess I wonder if that person transitioned because like I couldn't use the right pronouns but honestly again like as I mentioned off camera like people are now like asking me a lot what are your pronouns and I feel like it just doesn't make sense at this point whatever feels comfortable for people that's what they should use you know for me trying to enforce I know I'm a man and I like actually being called he at this point, but I also don't expect people to call me he because sometimes they see me as more feminine, more female. So it would be stupid for me to be a pronoun Nazi, you know, if this word is appropriate to use, you know, I'm literally doing what gender ideology is doing in reverse, you know, I think we're better than that. And I feel like we don't have time to fight over this. And, you know, it's like, I've gotten hit, you know, like for, you know, when Blair White call show calling her she, you know, it's like, 
I mean, I see Blair as ally. You know, I'm not gonna purposely misgender somebody just to be more extreme. You know, like mm-hmm. not misgender, but like if if I know it's gonna make somebody uncomfortable, and if it's it's almost feels unnatural to call Blair mm-hmm. she, for example, or some other people, and so I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna call you she because it kind of feels unnatural. So I'm not gonna do it just to enforce another ideology. You know, and like. I, I don't care like if people get offended at this point. Like I know at some point everybody gonna get offended for some reason. Like I just yeah. can't please everyone, you know. And um I know there's a lot of I guess traction. I don't know, like I, I'm new to this community. I don't know whether it's friction between bad fans and like <laughs> some trans men and it's just like I don't get it. I don't have time for this. I just feel like all right now we have certain common goals and we're on the same side and i think maybe we could put aside our differences and like win the fight at least like the kids not transitioning and like better health care for people who sing their chance and then we can sort out our differences you know i just don't think like pr- like our pronouns are priority right now like yeah it's not yeah. gonna like change anything in my situation anymore yeah. like it's honestly the least of my worries it was all like my back pain right now it's like everyday reminder of like of my osteoporosis and it's just like I'm in pain like so um yeah every day I have to live with things that I've done to my body like pronouns are the least of my worries right now and it's like breaks my heart like apparently Boston's Children's Hospital now like started this promotion they're advertising surgeries to kids it's like and I live in Massachusetts and I just feel so sad that this is happening I don't think those people even know what they're advocating for like mm-hmm. I think they're just trying to be like cool and accepting and progressive and um not bigoted but i feel like as somebody who's been through the system i just know how dangerous medical transition can be you know especially the surgical aspects but even hormonal like it's a really it's throwing a dart in the dark you just don't know where you're gonna land that's what literally what it is and i've been completely lied to and misled on so many levels (laughs) when i medically transitioned it's just insane like I can't believe this happened to me and I don't know people say like I'm intelligent oh you're so well spoken blah 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 but it's like I feel a dumb like a dumbass <laughs> like I got suckered into this so hard and I fought for this ideology people let me walk the original yeah. society you know <laughs> fighting and promoting like transgenderism and like being like I'm a woman la 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 you know it's like I I, I looked foolish all these years <laughs> Yep, I know. I know what that feels like. <laughs> I remember. I remember doing that. But could you just go like uh, take us back, like you, like when your decision to like what was what was you know dysphoria like for you as a kid? How did that in, like what was the what were the intern- external influences that made you decide that transitioning was the way to go? And like if you could walk us through that kind of right. kind of biography. Um, if- it's a long ass story, but like. I did exhibit like gender nonconforming behavior early on, like, but my parents, you know, they were immediately like telling me don't do that. You know, I was trying to put like towel around my head, pretending like it's my hair and like, and my mom was like, oh, don't do that. Like your dick will fall off. Like she literally said that. Not like a penis, but like whatever people, my language, whatever they tell kids for like your private parts, you know, and flash forward, it came true. But I think looking back, like, the reason I rebelled so much and went to like the opposite spectrum of gender is because my parents tried to like butch me up if that word is correct to use, you know, (laughs) they tried to masculinize me, but no matter what they did, like it wasn't working, you know, they tried to give me to Kung Fu classes and all that. They tried to give me to stretching classes so I grow taller, but it it just was so traumatic that I guess, um, I think once I got my freedom, I almost like rebelled against that and I just, 
felt like I will never be a man, you know, or the stereotype of a man. And I just completely went the opposite way. It was just kind of like a fuck you, you know. But honestly, I never felt like that. I could be a woman or anything like that till I moved to America, to be honest, actually specifically to Massachusetts, because I did go for a year to school. Actually, I live in more like Eastern Europe. That's even more conservative. But then for like undergraduate, I went to like another country that's a little more liberal, but not as liberal. So I didn't see it like we had LGB alliance and all that, but T was never part of it, like never heard of it. Nothing like that. Like, and then I went to school in North Carolina for a year. Also, like, I mean, people knew I was gay. Like, I had a boyfriend. Everybody knew, like, I was just, like, a feminine man. I was kind of ghost kid, I guess. I was wearing, like, chains and, like, <laughs> kind of, like, punk rock, wearing, like, all black, leather, maybe a little eyeliner here and there. But I never, like, thought that I was a woman. If anything, I was trying to still be more masculine because I kind of knew, like, um, you know, feminine men are, like, lower on a totem pole when it comes to dating in a gay sin I, I was wondering about that in a lesbian sin obviously because I've never was part of it you know how does it work are like our feminine women more on demand in lesbian sin or like our butch women more on demand if you don't mind me like asking because <laughs> I really don't know like um, is it like equal <laughs> I, I'd say it's probably equal it depends like there are I would say both are equally in really? demand but there are there are feminine lesbians that it, that seek out butch lesbians okay because in gay scene uh for sure like masculine men that are like straight passing are like the highest on the totem pole at least for a lot of people and i think especially like i felt like for me that's how it wasn't a lot of those men were <laughs> hard to come by <laughs> they were all taken but anyways i was like still had relationships and everything you know um but then what year was that when you were going to going to college in, in North Carolina, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think that was like 2010 or nine. Okay. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Yep. I think it was 2008, nine, something like that. Timeline is a little blurry at this point, but yeah, it was like, I remember it was after recession, like great financial depression right. or whatever that was. Yeah. Okay. That was 2009 or to 10 or 2008 to nine. So I was there for a year, you know, and like, yeah, I was like openly gay, never thought of anything. But when I went to graduate school in Massachusetts, we already like had literally a person, non-binary person. I was like, I was hanging out more with undergraduate kids because I was young, you know, younger than everybody else in graduate school. And so like, <clears throat> obviously like I was like, gay kid you know and I wanted to find other people like myself you know <laughs> and when I went to I guess at that point it was LGBT alliance and they had like a drag ball everything you know so it was like more liberal state we already had a non-binary person who had a person who was walking around on campus with cat ears they already had bottom surgeries they had their penis like everything done with Dr. Meltzer in Arizona I remember so to me it seemed like so normal at that point and immediately I like got this rapid onset of gender dysphoria you know I was like oh my god like I guess I'm a woman too you know it's like and people did ask me like what my pronouns were because when I came to that club everybody's like what are your pronouns you know and I was like obviously more androgynous presenting and like um that's when I was like oh my god like I'm a woman and I just kind of like did revise my history and I went back thinking to my childhood you know that um 
I was meant to be a woman, you know, <laughs> it's like, but then um, initially I was happy just being, you know, a traditional trans woman with a penis and whatnot. And my dating pool like increased right away. I got like all these guys, like sea of guys, like chasing me. Even was not, I wasn't was that possible. Like, honestly, like whatever that means, like that's like a sexist word, <laughs> but I was not that feminized, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Like I was very early, like my, so I had probably like five o'clock shadow and whatnot, but people were like living for it and then um yeah they were <laughs> i'm telling you um but um but then when i started taking hormones i just like started really getting bottom dysphoria you know and it's like i really started getting more sad and depressed um and i attributed a lot of it to like me needing to transition all the way you know to complete my transition I just kind of wanted to move on with my life because as I got more bottom dysphoria dating was harder because everybody was like oh my god does your dick still work like can you fuck me like so it was just like really frustrating because I was feeling more and more like a woman I guess whatever that means but I just was getting bottom dysphoria but as I did more research like later on I realized it's common with some people who take hormones estrogen you know and um so yeah I ended up like really craving the surgery and like I went and got my letters so easily and that was the only time I was ever in therapy because the country where I went like mental health is not a thing unless like you're actually like full and crazy to the point that you need to be institutionalized you know mm -hmm. <laughs> other than that people just live with trauma abuse domestic violence rape like nothing talked about you know and obviously like I had a lot of childhood trauma like not only being bullied for my femininity and my parents just like not accepting my femininity and always trying to tell me that I'm like not masculine enough and all that it was just like a whole bunch of other traumas that I didn't even know like I I kind of like buried it away <laughs> but actually one thing I've learned actually the video is coming on my channel I feel like you can't run away from your trauma and eventually like you have to either acknowledge it or try to heal some of it you know and I feel like me transitioning was just like really a reaction to a lot of trauma really and like I, I I should have never been allowed to have a permanent body modification like that um without tackling a lot of my issues because I think Tulip or somebody said that like your issues are still there waiting for you after the surgery mm -hmm. yeah he was so right like honestly like he's so smart too like he's so articulate as well and it's like he's so freaking right because Literally, that's what it was. It didn't solve any of my issues. It added more trauma since because having to go out and date with mutilated genitals, try, like trying to find yourself because they brainwashed like you're a woman now, yay! But you're like legally a woman. Actually, I was legally a woman before, before that, so it was like huge diminishing returns from bottom surgery, just like mental health decline totally. And I had all these issues, like I got immediately depressed so bad I had no energy no sex drive uh I went online and all the crazy trans community was just telling me what's oh, a post-op depression find some new goals and like but it never really went away and I kind of kept on trying to get revision but in my head I was like oh I'm just gonna fix the situation I was just unlucky I kept on having more revisions but it kept on getting fucked up more and more to the point where I got like fistula and then I had to pretty much like, I was so suicidal. I had to turn to like psychedelics to kind of not to kill myself. And I was like, it's either that. I realized like a lot of the transitions I talked to are being put on high doses of SSRIs post-surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them didn't even know like 
like that a lot of it was attributed to lack of testosterone because a lot of us mm-hmm. are just men. I mean, if we castrated some of those doctors that visited to me, I want to see what their life will look like, you know, because, yeah, honestly, like, this is not fun being a man and being castrated, you know, I just realized something never felt right after the surgery, you know, and I realized I definitely went against my original blueprint and I lost like a decade of my life trying to be something I really wasn't, you know, and I think I was never meant to fit in, you know, and I realized I will always be outlier. I think maybe in a way, like I never had a chance to be in the closet because being so feminine, everybody right away knew I assumed that I was gay because I, I grew up in a very rigid society where I didn't even know until I came to US that like they can be feminine men who are attracted to women, you know, <laughs> so-called pre-HRT, AGP, some of them, you know, <laughs> where not, some of them are not even feminine, but I'm just saying like, in my country, like if you're slightly feminine, people already assume you're gay. And I was like super feminine. So I never even had a chance to be in the closet and have that privilege that some gay men have for like being masculine. It's like they selectively can come out to whoever they want to or not even come out ever. So I never had that opportunity. And like, as I was thinking about all the situation, like the last week being away from everything, I realized this was, I kind of put myself back into the closet. Like it was my chance to go into the closet, the whole transition and living still saying and it was just so toxic to, to do that you know it's like why was the fuck would I do that to myself when I could have just been living out and free you know and mm-hmm. like it just so such a sad realization and honestly stifled my creativity and like um you know after psychedelics I had to medicate myself with high doses of cannabis to just like numb myself to all the pain actually like it's big video coming up because um yeah I was like literally I wasn't on SRIs but I was like literally addicted to cannabis and I didn't even know that until I went to Hungary with zero cannabis because I didn't want to go to jail (laughs) and I went through terrible withdrawals and I was like literally crying and I just wanted to leave (laughs) then I finally like snapped out of it and like I'll talk more in details about it like on my channel but it's like yeah I realized like I was numbing so much pain and like But thankfully, I was able to, you know, do some other things and some other psychedelics because it is a psychedelic festival and go deep to my trauma and kind of like face my demons in a way. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a huge bandaid I was putting on for for like years, literally. (laughs) It was like definitely just showed me how much trauma I had that was never tackled by any mental health professionals. And as I was doing video diaries of my experiences, like the last two weeks, you know, I did record a little video diary when I did say, you have to take healing on your own hands. You know, sometimes we rely too much on mental health professionals on the system. And the system is very flawed right now. That's, I know for sure, some changes needs to be made. And um, yeah, like um, whatever we have right now is a whole affirming model, not questioning things too much. That's extremely dangerous, you know, and um we need more research if trans is a thing like what is true trans you know because i'm getting like oh i'm not true trans and like i never was i'm just a cis person and like now i'm gonna make it difficult for trans people and the gatekeeping gonna be high blah 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 but i think we're kind of running in circles the surgeries were kind of like banned for a while apparently there were some like studies at john hopkins that kind of got swept under the rug you know where people did discover is that a lot of people, once they had the surgery, they got very depressed and they were no longer excited about cross-dressing or whatnot. And, but somehow that never came to light. Nobody talks about that research. 
but that was early 2000s I, right i think it was early 2000s mid 2000s really okay. but people would message me all kinds of stuff and i'm like wow but i knew there was some drama Jeff, john hopkins and then it got shut down and it was called transphobic mm-hmm. and they, they kind of revamped everything and they jumped on a trend you know mm-hmm. and as i was singing a lot i also realized every time i had surgeries i had all this like um i guess every surgeon that did surgeries on me they also had all this like new surgeons that were training and observing the surgery. So I was literally mm-hmm. a guinea pig. And <laughs> except where I was paying, my insurance was paying for all that shit or I was paying sometimes out of pocket. I realized just how much like they were literally training a new generations of surgeons <laughs> to mm-hmm. kind of butcher people. And they were so proud of it too. Like, oh, I trained that person and now this person like also doing surgeries. And like, I remember how like, I went to a transgender conference with my ex who was also a plastic surgeon and my surgeons that did my first surgery, like he was like telling him, oh, you should get into transgender healthcare. It's so good. Money is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's just insane, you know? And there's this other surgeon in Pennsylvania that butchered a lot of people. And there was like a class action lawsuit, but that person is still doing surgeries. And the surgeon who did my surgery, he was like, oh, this this person is just like, oh, after money, you know? <laughs> they don't even care about the patients. And I'm like, and then none of those people care about patients because even my first surgeon, I remember how excited he was. He was like, oh my God, now insurance covers it. And like, we're getting so many patients and like, it's all about the money. Like, that's what it comes down to. That's what I realized, you know, it's just every plastic surgery industry has become very competitive. So it's just kind of hard to make it as average plastic surgeon, I feel like. <laughs> and that's a huge source of revenue, you know. And um, I feel like there's really no real standards of care, like in terms of like what is good results <laughs> mm-hmm. for a penile inversion or phalloplasty you know like literally like what is like nobody measures like how much depth you have left after like years down the line you know nobody knows and i said i like earlier people who had all the surgeries a lot of them were sex workers or like secret agps so they kind of went into the shadows they died or like they kind of disappeared you know so we're really missing like mm-hmm. a lot of data and the surgeons won from that because like a lot of people didn't speak out they either died or just went into the shadows from shame so it's c- kind of up to us now to put our, ourselves on a line and just like get all this hate <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> what it, hopefully... I, don't, I don't know what it takes to shut down some of these surgeons like the, the surgeon I that know. i went to dr crane in texas he has oh something like 12 12 or 13 malpractice suits against him in the state of california yeah and he's still practicing still yeah yeah they're still practicing i mean there is one person like as i said in pennsylvania um and literally when you go on reddit transgender surgeries that article is pinned like has been pinned there for months talking about that surgeon like don't go to the surgeon but practice is still open and to me that means they have to i mean some people are so desperate to get the surgery and they're so brainwashed that they rather have mutilated genitals than what they have right now that they will go to that surgeon just because it's within network. That's what it has, has come down to. You know, it's like people are literally being forced to go to bad surgeons just because insurance only covers this particular surgeon because it's a network, which is so effed up. You know, it's like even the way my like letters went, you know, they just gave you letters and they just like didn't. It's up to you kind of to select your surgeon. And then no matter what goes wrong, people are like, well, you went to a bad, you went to a back surgeon. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know complications from every surgeon, including the top surgeon. I mean, you guys know some people we know in common that are not out with their stories. You know, it's like 
we know it's like popular surgeons are literally like everybody puts them on pedestal, you know, they're like part of W pass and all that. It's just like it's almost like these people feel like God, they're unshakable, mm-hmm. like nobody can comfort them. And people like sue them, it's not easy to sue people and it's like i can't really use the surgeons because they're going to be like well fistula was part of expected side effects you know it's like or it's like i think my best case is just to try to sue mental health professionals who gave me the letters you know it's like i don't like for boob job i don't that like i didn't need letters but uh for that particular surgery it was a bottom surgery it's like it was their job to make sure that this was really gender dysphoria and not some other trauma you know <laughs> or not some other well, issues i was going through at the time like what did what did acquiring that letter in- entail what did it involve like how many appointments how much time uh, well honestly it was just i think 12 visits i remember okay. i remember i literally got like uh my face done and my breast done in june i think it was june 2014 and then literally not even a year later, I was already getting my bottom surgery. So to me, that means I I only got like less than a year of therapy. And one of those surgeons, the problem was I went to activist hospital, I went to Fenway Health. <laughs> so like they're literally activist hospital. And one of my therapists was Chance. And in the moment I thought, oh, this is great. And also I was so brainwashed. Like I was so excited for this. And I thought it was going to change my life for the better, you know? And I was like, my biggest fear was not to get the letters, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. And honestly, I was just like, mm-hmm. didn't think much of it. And um, all, all therapy sessions were just me blabbing, you know? But it was never talked about my childhood or anything, you know? It was just like talking about my current life, you know? It was just like, I didn't, I had no doubt in my mind that I was trans and I was like... <laughs> you know, that the surgery was right for me, you know, and um, you were just jumping so, yeah, through my, the hoop. Yeah, kind of like, but honestly, there was really no safeguards as they were just going to give me letters no matter what, <laughs> you know, it's like, and one of the therapists was the same person who was giving me ADHD medication, you know, and uh, so he just didn't even spend that much time with me, kind of like was the head psychiatrist on that team, you know, and I feel like with him, I didn't get as much of a therapy, you know, and it's like, uh, it was just like more like he kind of approved what the other therapist was saying from what I remember. Granted, it was like a few years ago. I don't remember all the details, but I know for sure at the time I didn't know I was possibly bipolar. I'm definitely at least by borderline possibly bipolar. Like, I don't really know. I haven't gotten full-on diagnosis to get on medication. And I'm not sure I will because I feel like taking Adderall kind of fucked me up as well because um, if I never taken Adderall, like, I probably would have been better off, you know? I feel like, um, honestly, I, I just don't trust pharmacies anymore, but I also know that I have to keep on taking hormones or my osteoporosis will get worse, you know? And that's another thing. Nobody told me I was supposed to be on some kind of hormones. None of my j- general practitioner, none of the surgeons that did all the revisions over the years. My partner, who's also a plastic surgeon, like we're, we're no longer together, but he was my partner for two years up until 2018 yeah between 2016 and 2018 he didn't know he didn't tell me anything he knew I wasn't taking no hormones yeah so it's like it was just very lackluster healthcare you know like they don't know shit now that I'm taking testosterone without having my testicles it's not the same so I wonder like all this time, all these people are taking estrogen and they think that oh they feel like woman or like they're having a real female experience but like I can tell for sure 
it's not the same. It's definitely feels weird. Sometimes I'm horny. Sometimes it just goes away. It's so weird. Like it's not the same. Absolutely not the same. Like I wonder how many F2Ms also taking testosterone and they also think this is the way men feel. Mm. Like I really don't know. Mm. They're maybe getting a glimpse, but you're not getting a full experience. So now I know that I was never a fully woman. I'll never be, unfortunately. Like, and also I realized like no matter what I do to my body, like. I was never going to be accepted by society and that's a sad reality that I was not ready for till I did the full thing, you know? And I feel like it wasn't a way I was still seeking acceptance. I was still young and like not mature enough to understand that I was never going to get it, you know? <laughs> and had I known that sooner, I would have never kept on modifying my body, trying to be accepted more and more, you know, as a woman, you know, and because at that point, like trans community brainwashed me and they were telling me, oh, people who are like, want to interact with your penis, they're like, they don't see you as a real woman, you know? And I was like, well, that's like 95% of people who want to date me. And so I felt like the only way for me to kind of to move on to the next level, you know, was to get the surgery. And I did have some kind of like, I, I do enjoy female presenting. So obviously like I, I did enjoy feminizing myself, but um, as I said, it was just very diminishing returns from like bottom surgery because it was just not another plastic surgery it was a big part of me that I destroyed you know <laughs> I lost my drive to accomplish things I lost my desires to do anything really as I've mentioned on some interviews I've just been dead inside for years but now also taking testosterone is kind of traumatic without having without having a penis or at least some kind of like front hole to be penetrated it's just like hard you know and I'm like worried about getting secondhand testosterone gel on like my cats you know and catman has been getting secondhand testosterone and i feel like <laughs> i can tell that by like the way dynamics change and i just feel like he's too pure for this like i don't want him to get extra tea i don't know so it's like really difficult but injections like didn't work for me patches didn't work for me but every day i'm like getting i'm a little bit ocd so i'm like paranoid what if like testosterone gets on the couch and then my cat lays down you know right. what if like my cats will die from testosterone uh, poisoning you know what i'm gonna do you know what i mean like it's so difficult it's like you can't win almost moreover it's so expensive it's like 125 dollars per month copay for testosterone gel wow. and it's super messy like it's super messy and if i do go do the implants uh, i think it's a few hundred dollars and it lasts a few months thankfully like i have money and all that it's just like but they're gonna cut me every time in a new place you know just more trauma to the body more it's just bad i don't know what to tell you guys <laughs> so yeah, i wish i could take all of it back the whole like hormonal transition as i mentioned before having a couple of extra inches on the hips or tds was just like not worth it honestly it wasn't even worth putting implants in to be honest eventually i'm gonna have to have them removed it's just more surgeries more bullshit mm -hmm. you know it's like people are like oh when are you gonna i'm like it's fifteen thousand dollars to remove implants and a lot of i don't know if insurance will cover it and if they do they're gonna probably cover crappy surgeons that you don't want to go to you know what i mean that's yeah. what it comes down to. right yeah I should, in retrospective no, i should yeah there's no winning like I there's no going money. back right yeah, there's, there's no, no going really back, going back. Yeah, this is literally irreversible, irreparable harm. <laughs> We're not going to use a reversible damage because, like, it's being copycat. It's irreparable harm because, like, people are like, oh, you can get do that. And it's like, no, like, once you cut your body, that's it. You know what I mean? I honestly wish I could take a lot of it back. And I realized I had body dysmorphia because at no point in my life I felt sexy or comfortable in my body. I still feel ugly most of the time. Sometimes... I feel cute and sexy, but most of the time I'm still struggling with self-confidence. You know, it's like, 
it didn't solve any of my issues. That battered kid inside of me never went away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, um, it was really a software issue <laughs> and right. it got sold mm-hmm. to us. And honestly, like people credit me for that thing, but I think it's Scott who said that first and I heard it on your talk. So it was kind of like his idea first to kind of like packages that way. And he's like hundred percent right. You know, like that's what it was. I needed so much more mental help, you know, and then, I really thought I needed, but when you're in your early twenties, you know, you know, you think you know everything, and like, it's also I didn't comprehend that things could get so bad for me. You kind of feel like you're gonna be fine, now you'll figure it out, and everything's gonna be fine, and it's just like you never know that like things may not be fine, and you may fuck up your life, you know. <laughs> so, and I think one thing for sure is sexuality is fluid. You know what I mean? It's like. Um, I never thought I would have like sexual desires I have now, especially being back on T. You know, I never thought I would want to, you know, use my penis or be a top. But now, like, I realize I want to do all those things and I will never be able to. Like, strap on is just not the same. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm so in a new phase of figuring out my new sexuality and everything I've been through. And it's also, I guess, living as a woman or whatever, being perceived as a woman by some gave me this new, like, view of things you know that i would have not gotten otherwise as well so now i have to incorporate that knowledge as well into the new self you know mm-hmm. um i yeah i just grass is not greener on the other side and all the things women go through like i think it was um i can't pronounce her name as uh, a scottish woman uh watson i can't pronounce her first oh sinead <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I didn't want to say it because I knew I was going to butcher it, butcher it up. Uh, she was like, if, if men knew like what being a woman feels like, they would never transition and vice versa. <laughs> so I, I totally agree with that. And honestly, like, um, after I got this, like, whatever female experience got sold to me, and I was like, I want I want a refund and I can't get <laughs> I can't get my years back. I can't get, like my orgasms back i can't get shit back you know what i mean i definitely got cooped and yeah it's like there's definitely advantages to being a man and a woman and uh, yeah and hormones are a chunter territory there's just like we really don't know how it affects the whole thing you know and like messing with it even for a few months can really like mess you up mentally like it's not a joke you know and i didn't know there were so many benefits with testosterone i had literally like controlled substance <laughs> my right. balls were naturally yeah. producing and i just like gave it away <laughs> what has the reception been like f- for you since you started speaking publicly um honestly um i've gotten some hate um i mean i was raised muslim I get a lot of letters from Christians. Everybody wants me to be Christian, you know, but I don't think that's going to happen. I just feel like it's going to be swapping one ideology for another. Every day I get letters about Unix and Bible. Like, <laughs> so I have a strong Christian following and they're like hoping that I'll become Christian because that's the finale they want for me, you know, kind of serves them like world hair fantasy. But I just feel like we need diversity in the transitioners. I feel like um, we already have like a whole bunch of detransitioners who became hardcore Christians and all of a sudden they're not gay anymore and all that. Like, yay, like cute, you know what I mean? It's like, um, so I feel like I I just don't feel connection to like Jesus. <laughs> and I just like, I know what it's like to be brainwashed by ideology. So it's like, 
I don't want to get caught up in another one. You know, I feel like you can still full connection to higher power without subscribing to any specific ideology. Uh, but I still appreciate all my Christian following. And I feel like at least they want me. A Muslim community didn't even give a fuck about me. They were like, you should have stayed Muslim. See what happened to you. You turn your back on Allah, you know, like, please people, you know, it's like, um, yeah. So, and I mean, CRAs, of course, they're just saying that I was never a real chance, but I've gotten a lot of love and support. And like, I've gotten so many emails and comments that I haven't, it's been like positive and people kind of rallied again around me. <laughs> so the hate that I get, like I immediately get kind of protection. People immediately like defend me, you know? And a lot of people get me like um, that. I don't want to cut off my hair. I don't want to like stop wearing makeup because makeup and hair makes me happy. Why would I stop doing that? You know what I mean? Some people cut their hair like tulip and people are still telling him that he looks like a lesbian or tomboy. You know what I mean? It's like people look the way they look. You know what I mean? You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to please everyone. The whole pronoun saying, look, saying, I'm just done tired. Uh, don't care you know and I think even going to like uh, Azora to a festival in Hungary I just kind of feel even more like I don't give a fuck you know I feel even more creative with makeup I want to start doing even crazier makeup <laughs> I guess um, again as I said I never got a chance to fully express myself artistically and I think that's what I really wanted to do you know but I just uh, felt like for me to do that I had to be a woman you know being a drag queen or something like that that never crossed my mind but I'm kind of shy but I've never like been performing on stage you know or going to clubs I was never like too much into drinking or going to clubs you know so I never kind of got caught up in that scene you know I was kind of raised online because I was like shy kid you know and I think that's why I got caught up in like transgenderism before like drag became more popular you know <laughs> and um and I think it's a fucked up part that I was like uh, trying to differentiate myself like from drag queens I'm like I'm a woman and now like I realize I'm probably just like but even what drag doesn't really mean that doesn't really make sense either it's just makeup on clothes you know what I mean it's like a sexist stereotypes <laughs> you know it's like none of this should make sense I, I guess I can tell that I enjoy wearing hair and makeup and it makes me happy and I'm just going to keep on doing me, you know, I'm done trying to conform what society expects me to conform to, you know, and everybody who tells me I should remove my titties, like, wire me $15,000. Don't demand me, like, I want to, I want to reduce my breasts because my back hurts, you know, and I always had small titties, so I want to remove them and have smaller titties, but like, and eventually I'll have to do it because my back hurts, you know. But it's expensive, you know, and it's like recession is here. Like people, we we're talking about trans, de trans, but we're like in a recession. Like <laughs> we forgot about that. Like, in this economy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have $15,000 laying around. Like, <laughs> so I mean, I could, but it's like, it's a lot of money, you know what I mean? It's like, so, <laughs> uh, if I had OnlyFans, maybe I would have had like, 15000 <laughs> but. I, I think I the people telling you to remove your breasts don't want you to do that either. Yeah, I, I think it's just like they're not coming from a good place. So do you think if you had encountered that, uh, the like the Planchardian typology, the HSTS, AGP kind of motivators for male to female oh, transition, yeah. do you think having that reality would have like kind of like, oh, I'm not a woman, you know, like this is not yeah, a dream worth pursuing? I mean, okay. at least I would have probably understood myself better and where my desires are coming from. I think it's so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it may not be a perfect typology. I'm sure there is. It's not mm -hmm. as black and white. Nothing is black and white. I already know that. Like, and seeing things as in black and white is super dangerous. I'm sure there's some mix. Maybe, like, there are some people who are H HSTS, but maybe, I don't know. I just know that I was more excited, like, 
I guess maybe it was just my um, original blueprint that made me more excited about fashion. I remember how I was excited to pick outfits every day. I don't think I was necessarily turned on by cross-dressing, but I was definitely excited to pick an outfit. I think I was just a happier person in general. Like, yes, I had my struggles, but I think a lot of it was just due to tough childhood and all that, you know, that even normal people would have had they grown up in my family, you know, <laughs> in my situation. And it's like, I attributed a lot to like, having a dick or being you know trans I thought you know but I felt like I was happier before surgery you know so yeah <laughs> what was the realization like when you kind of you kind of snapped out of it when when did that happen or like what, what around what time frame was it and what was the kind of mental uh deprogramming that went on it was um I went through a heartbreak like I lost one of my partners and I was in a lot of emotional pain and it's kind of I think I fell in love like with two people and I think it was my deepest love, you know, so far. And I've never experienced anything like that. And I felt like that heartbreak made me realize that like, if I had my testosterone, I would have not been so hurt, you know? And, um, oh shit, it's like so much to talk about. <laughs> I was off testosterone for two weeks, so I was not supposed to, well, I guess in my videos, I was like crying or something. <laughs> It's normal. Like, if it's a shapeshifter video, you're probably going to see me cry. (laughs) Anyways, but, like, I think after I went through that heartbreak and then I was not, I broke up with my other, I broke up with Catman too for a while and I was just by myself, you know, and it was, like, first time I was, like, because I'm borderline, I was, like, attached to people easily and I'm, like, going from one relationship to another because I don't want to be alone. And I kind of felt alone, you know, uh, first time in a while and I just didn't have any, like, energy to date or try to even put myself out there anymore and I was just like thinking about things and and I just realized like oh my god like how fucked up my life has become ever since I had the surgery you know <laughs> had I still had my dick I would have just been jerking up on OnlyFans like all other every other trans girl you know no literally I mean that's what it has come down to everybody's mm-hmm. a porn star jerks up on OnlyFans a model like that's what we have right now <laughs> and I would have not been getting attached to people and like falling in love have my heart broken you know I would have moved on so freaking quick not everyone wouldn't think twice about it and I just realized how much I put myself through like um and I just started rejecting idea of being a woman and it's just like I just couldn't do it out I couldn't like do it anymore you know trying to pass and trying to fit the stereotype of woman and I came out to my family as non-binary I was like well, what the fuck that even means you know mm-hmm. when I made up with Catman I was like you know what I'm non-binary and I was like he actually lost the bet to me we're like joking about the whole non-binary thing and I was like if you lose this bet or maybe it was like a chess match something he lost anyway it was like a bet and I was like if you lose it you're gonna come out as non-binary you're gonna send email to all your employees and your season which he did <laughs> and then uh I, I just was like rejecting the whole, i was like hating trans commuters how much they lied to me you know i realized how the surgeons were very unethical there were a few things that went down between me and my first surgeon that i don't want to talk about and i don't want to talk about it because i don't really have any proof but what happened should have not happened and um yeah so it's like I also just realized how much more trauma, like all this process induced upon me by surgeons and by medical system, by men that I dated, you know? And um, I just realized all this just added more trauma on top of my trauma. In a way, I attracted more of my childhood again into my life, you know? (laughs) And uh, so yeah, I just realized that all this was bullshit. 
And uh, then I started doing more research and I started watching your channel and I started watching other detransitioners. A few years ago, I was actually joking with a friend of mine. I was like, are you going to detransition? Like, look at these detransitioners, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like, I never, ever thought I would be detransitioning. <laughs> you know, it was just like, um, I don't know. So it was just like hard. It's like almost like my reality shifted. And I felt like for many months I was waking up in the morning and I just didn't want to even be part of this reality because I felt so like, I just don't know. I was, I felt like I was living this night. I mean, I still kind of do. <laughs> I'm in a bad emotional state right now, but it was just like long-term adjusting that, oh my God, like I've been living a lie. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it was not an easy process. And um. I went through, when I posted that video, that kind of was like taking off. I was just really going through with it, but I felt like, I felt like my life was coming to an end. Like, cause that's how I felt mm. like, I felt like I had nothing to lose. And that's why I was so open about everything. You know, I was like, what else can happen? Like, I feel like gender ideology took everything from me, kind of. So they took away my family, they isolated me, you know? <laughs> uh, they took away my friends. <laughs> So um, this transition costed me so much. I just felt like I, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> and that's why like I went all out. I just wanted to like <laughs> um, put this message out so other people just take care and take precautions because things are not what they seem, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you may feel like people have your best interest and they're trying to help you, but they actually, I felt so let down by my therapist. You know, there are people I trusted, you know? <laughs> So if you buy all the books you want, they completely didn't help me at all. <laughs> yeah. So it was difficult. But I'm just lucky because, like, I have, like, partner in my life, you know, I'm, like, it's honestly his love that gave me, like, strength because I knew, like, he loves me no matter what. And we have, like, this connection that's, like, transcends body and gender, sex, whatever. So I, I felt like I already kind of, found it you know <laughs> so I that kind of gave me strength just because I just didn't give a fuck anymore so and I think it's kind of I said that without these transitioners when like you're at your bottom there's only one way to go is up you know <laughs> and um yeah so that's how it all happened and I'm still kind of adjusting to new reality and it's difficult because as I said, I'm feeling reverse gender dysphoria because now when people call me sometimes like ma'am or something, I just so cringe or people's like, oh, you're such a pretty girl. And I'm like cringing inside. It's like, ugh, yeah. you know, I don't want everyone to be called girl or whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's cringe, you know, but I also understand that some people, it takes them a while to get adjusted, you know, and it's like, and um, I don't know, like I'm just taking it one day at a time and I may never give you the full like F to M back to M moments, you know, that people expect in traditional sense, but I, I'm still going to be a part of gender critical community, you know, I guess maybe I'm more closer to you guys in terms of like <laughs> where I fit in the spectrum of gender critical and being the situation, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm closer to people like Blair White, you know, and it's like, but regardless i just i'm okay with being where i'm at and i don't need to fit anywhere strictly you know and initially i got some flag you know from the trans community the trans males they were saying that i'm doing all this for attention i'm just like a decoy but then they accepted me and they were um saying that you know i can still have long hair and wear makeup it doesn't matter and there's other um the trans 
I guess, men that are still have long hair, but they're not as known because they're one of them is Spanish. So they have like a Spanish YouTube and they literally look like, I guess, more like me <laughs> and they're yeah. trans, I guess. But they don't get as much attention because it's in Spanish, you know. Um, somehow I get, I got more attention. Um, I actually wonder if if you'll help some people in their journey. Like if other if other people are unhappy with their transition and they feel like they have to give up all of it like they if they enjoy you know makeup and and you know the clothing that they're wearing if they feel like they have to give up all of that and everything that they love about their transition as well as the things that they don't like about their transition if that actually keeps people where they're at and and yeah yeah, prevents them from taking the step that might make them happier yeah for sure i've gotten a lot of emails from people who also said they resonate with me, you know, and they were, they're just feminine men and they also felt like they had to transition and fit in so they could get regular jobs. They didn't want to like escort or do OnlyFans and all that because that's what it has come down to because we're still being discriminated against, you know, for jobs and stuff. So that's why a lot of people literally feel forced into transitioning so that they can fit in and not be like singled out or put in a certain box as a sexual object you know <laughs> and now they realize that they also damage their body by trying to do that you know and um yeah they absolutely i want to represent uh, the trans people that just want to drop trans label and do whatever if they don't want to be a part of trans community they don't have to you know they have something to fall back upon you know mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they want to be a more like conservative trans person or whatnot and just, just don't want to carry trans label till the rest of their lives they don't have to you know mm-hmm. i mean the trans just really doesn't mean anything either it's just like transition <laughs> so right it's just words literally I mean, I was just joking with Catman that like literally wasn't on testosterone for two weeks. I literally retransitioned. I can see how like I like certain music now, like like more I guess calmer music and all that. You know, I'm just like changed again. <laughs> so I'm like, did I retransition? You know, so it's like none of this makes sense. You know, and it's like. I don't know. It's like the whole drag scene. How like RuPaul didn't want trans women doing drag. Now trans women are doing drag. Now drag is for everyone. So they literally destroyed the definition of drag as well. Like that doesn't mean anything at all at this point. So I yeah. can't even say that I'm a full time drag queen because that doesn't really mean anything. So <laughs> I'm just a person, you know, with long hair and makeup. That's all. Like, and I just happen to have like a history of shifting, you know, <laughs> my shape and that side, you know. And um, I don't know, I just enjoyed, I, I wish I discovered hippie community sooner, you know, like psychedelic community. I wish I went to festivals sooner. I live like a regular society sooner. I saw alternative lifestyle instead of like being stuck in the society, you know, trying to fit in, trying to fit these rigid gender norms, you know, and I literally like, I was feminist worst nightmare. I literally <laughs> wanted to be a bimbo and I wanted to like, get married and just like have a white picket fence fantasy you know it was just like <laughs> literally a nightmare <laughs> like um perpetuating stereotypes and i think you tweeted or somebody tweeted that like um like you said like sometimes like i'm literally what a man thinks woman should look mm-hmm. like and act like and it's kind of true you know what i mean and it's like transphobic says that but i am a stereotype like of certain type of a woman i guess and the, i guess i'm a man's definition average man's definition of a woman you know so and that's what it is you know and like and i, I had some interviews with people who are not part of like trans and it's like you'll still look like a woman to us like i'm like well i'm a stereotype of a certain type of a woman i'm not like <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's hard to explain that to people, you know. 
I mm-hmm. guess I wanted to be like liked by as many people as I could have been liked. You know, that's why I guess I look like this. You know, <laughs> but then now I'm like, honestly, you will see some of my new makeup and my new videos. Like, I I just want to do some crazier makeup because I wanna I want people to know from like miles away <laughs> that I'm not a normal mm-hmm. woman because. As I was talking to Kendall Penny, she's like a friend of mine. Like, um, it's a never when you're passable. It's a never-ending coming out party. You know, it's not fun. It's not fucking fun. You know what I mean? It's like you're gonna get rejected ninety-five percent of time. People will hit on you. They'll be nice to you, and if you tell them you're a man, they immediately like want to kill you or just want to run away from you. And it's very uncomfortable feeling. So it's almost like it's a curse being, I guess, passable sometimes. You know, and it's like. I just got tired of it. It's like the, my my goal became my nightmare in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, it's like, and yeah, Kendall was right. It is like a never-ending coming out story. <laughs> like, and that's why, and it felt really liberating to be out online and open. On one hand, it's scary. It kind of feels scary because what if, like, I feel like I will never be able to live stealth again. I will never be able to have privacy. My story is out and about, but honestly, I again my my family and my partners just give me strength, you know, to be myself right now, and they're like support me no matter what, you know. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, not all of the terms are radical. Some of those people are legit concerned for what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. they can see that some of us are mentally vulnerable and susceptible people, like I was, you know, and like it's very easy to get caught up in something that makes you feel good temporarily and takes things too far, you know? Yeah, so there has to be, like, Tulip said in his recent interview, like, um, like, there is no, like, we're not saying don't drive the highway, but there has to be some kind of, like, guidelines, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or people are going to crash and die, you know, that's what's happening now. And that's what Tulip said with his recent interview. I'm like, oh, my God, he said it so well, like, 100% agree, like, so yeah we need some kind of better navigation system than what we have right now and it's very very urgent like i can't even stress that enough but i think you guys know that too but we're not being heard i don't know like mainstream media just ignores us so sad thank you so much for being here with us today (laughs) and doing what you're doing this is uh yeah i'd I'd really be looking forward to meeting you so i appreciate that you came on <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really special to me as well. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for everything. You guys are lovely, and uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Transparency Podcast. If you enjoy our content, please help out our algorithm by hitting like or subscribe. If you'd like to make a donation, follow the link to our PayPal account. On behalf of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance, thanks for your support.